The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Game Podcast is brought to you by Bet365. Bet365 is offering new users a $1,000 risk-free bet. Sign up today at sportsgamepodcast.com slash bet365. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. We're also brought to you by GameTime. GameTime has the last minute tickets and the lowest price guaranteed. Use promo code CFBX for $20 off your first purchase. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Game Podcast Network. It is currently early Sunday morning, November 19th, and I'm your host, as always, Scott Rochelle, once again, going solo for this pod. Should be a fun episode, but a short one, only one match to talk about, because it is championship match time in the Nitto ATP Finals. So we're going to talk about the matchup between Djokovic and Sinner taking place at around noon Eastern time. Before we get to any of that, do want to recap what happened in the last episode for the semifinals of the ATP Finals. So starting off with the Lock and Dog picks ended up splitting. We did win the lock. We had center team total over 12 and a half games at minus 140. That ended up getting there pretty easily as center ended up winning the first set. Then the second set went to a breaker, which he lost. If he won the breaker, he would have went over anyway, but no breaks in the entire second set. So ended up coasting to a nice easy winner there for the lock and center eventually won in three sets. For the dog, though, ended up losing with Djokovic and Alcaraz over two and a half sets. Didn't get there as Djokovic buried Alcaraz and the match ended pretty quickly as Djokovic did win 6-3, 6-2. So... Overall, once again, a split, not great, but at least we got the lock-in as Sinner got the job done for us. And now look for a sweep here in the final match taking on a su- taking place on Sunday. Now, to start off with the actual recap of the two matches in particular, I'll go through the Sinner match first. Sinner flipped the switch over the last couple of months, and Sinner was one of the players that I was very hyped on for the last couple of years. And a lot of people were going towards Alcaraz, rightfully so, because he won two Grand Slams, and I get all that. But I was always a center guy. I just seemed to always like his firepower, and I thought that he was going to be a great player. And I was waiting for him to piece it all together. And even though he's still very young, uh, I do I did think at some point Sinner was going to have to flip a switch to prove that he was going to be seriously worthy of Grand Slam consideration moving forward. And he flipped the switch, just simply put. He's been great. He's 22 years old, and it seems like Sinner is starting to fully, I'd say, stamp his presence within the top three, top four. Now, he's in the top four. He could make an argument based on the head-to-head that he might be better than Medvedev right now because he has won the last three matches against Medvedev. But the point is that's kind of semantics with regard to ranking. The point is Sinner is now becoming a serious threat and a potential face of tennis after Djokovic retires. Now, that's a couple of years down the road. I'm aware of that. Alcaraz, we know, has been Djokovic's main rival for the last year or so. And I guess you can make the argument that Djokovic is, I don't want to say owning Alcaraz, because Alcaraz did beat him in the Wimbledon final. So, of course, that is a pretty big match there. But Sinner has proven that he has made a leap in his overall te- his overall game. And Sinner, I think, is a in serious consideration to win a Grand Slam next year. I think he's good enough, and I think that in previous years, I always thought Sinner was kind of in the Rublev territory, where he was going to be a quarterfinalist or a semifinalist, mostly quarters, and you didn't really have faith in him to get beyond that point. And this upcoming year, I think, is going to be different. I think Sinner's going to make potentially a Grand Slam final at some point next year because he's been that good recently, and if he can build off of this and become consistent with it, he's very tough to beat. 
on any given day. And to go through the match against Medvedev, the real story was Sinner just being really solid. And I thought that he was definitely able to push Medvedev around the court, ended up breaking Medvedev three times. Sinner did not get broken in three sets of tennis against Medvedev, which is very impressive. And I do have to point out that Sinner, even though he did not get broken, he did not serve that well. He ended up only landing 58% of the first serve points. So he was defending the first serve or the second serve well in this matchup because he won a f- uh, 48% of the second serve points compared to 38% for Medvedev. But Sinner's forehand and backhand, really just the overall firepower, has translated very well to the indoor courts all over the world. We've seen it throughout the entire calendar year. This court's no different because Sinner has been on the war path as he beat Djokovic and Medvedev in the same event. So now he's looking to beat Djokovic again. But for the sake of my overall match uh, recap between the semifinal matchup between Sinner and Medvedev, it just felt like Sinner had the firepower to push Medvedev around the court. And I thought that Sinner's serve was really just too consistent. At least the second serve was good enough to keep Medvedev somewhat off-balanced. But he did win 83% of the first serve points. So Sinner improving the serve really unlocked the next level of his game. And it has been paying dividends in this particular event with the fastest hard courts of the entire season. As for Medvedev, it's kind of the same story that we've been seeing for the last year or so. Really, ever since he ended up losing to Nadal in the Australian Open final... I don't want to call him a gatekeeper because he didn't make a final and he lost the uh, the U.S. Open final to Djokovic. But it really feels like Medvedev is the type of guy who is a very good test for Alcaraz and Sinner to see if they're ready to like make the leap, so to speak. But Medvedev is the kind of guy that you also don't feel great about his chances to win these big events, which might sound a little bit harsh because he had a very good start to this calendar year, if you remember. But it really just feels like Medvedev against Djokovic and against Alcaraz and against Sinner. Sinner, at least now, because Sinner kind of flipped the switch on that head-to-head rivalry where Medvedev owned him until the last couple of months. It just feels like Medvedev right now is going to be an underdog in all three of those matches against Sinner and Alcaraz and Djokovic, which makes Medvedev, in my opinion, the fourth-best player in the world. No shame in that. But I have to at least point it out that Medvedev is kind of stuck in no man's land here where I don't think he's good enough to win a Grand Slam against this level of talent that we have for Djokovic, Alcaraz, and Sinner. But I think he's also too good that he's not going to get upset by a bunch of random guys. Has happened on occasion, but mostly Medvedev's a solid, consistent semifinalist in a lot of these events or a finalist in a somewhat weak field. You get my point, though. I think Medvedev's a guy who's not going to change his play style. I think everyone knows who he is. And Medvedev, unfortunately, ran into a couple of youngsters in Alcaraz and Sinner who I think are better than him. And I think they're more physically talented than him. Now, Medvedev did beat Alcaraz in the US Open final, so I'm not saying that it's impossible for Medvedev to win in any of those matchups. But most of the time, I'm going to take Alcaraz and I'm going to take Sinner because I just think that they have more to offer in terms of skill set than Medvedev does. And I feel like that's worth mentioning. Not trying to roast Medvedev. He's still a top four player in the world, but I think he's four. I think Alcaraz and Sinner are better than Medvedev, at least this version of Sinner that we've been seeing for the last couple of weeks. And Djokovic is Djokovic. So I got Medvedev firmly at four in the... Uh, in my opinion, the best player rankings. I would have Alcaraz probably at two and Sinner at three. But Sinner and Alcaraz are actually pretty close. If you look at the recent form and the fact that Sinner's done well in the head-to-head against Alcaraz, I think you can make an argument. But I think that Alcaraz is still better because he's won two Grand Slams. Anyway, recap once again. 
Sinner, too much firepower. Medvedev couldn't break. That was really the story of the match. Moving on to the late match, which was the ultimate dud between Djokovic and Alcaraz, where Djokovic was struggling early. Alcaraz actually had two break points in the first game of the match, didn't break, then did not have break points until he was down a break in the second set. And then he did not convert those either, as Djokovic did not get broken either in that entire match. Now, Alcaraz served very well. I believe he hit 84% of first serves. 84% of first serves. And Alcaraz is a good server. It's not like Zapata Marias, who's serving it like, like he's a softball tossing the serves in. No, Alcaraz has a good serve. And despite landing 84% of the first serves, he won five games. Djokovic beat him 6-3-6-2. And it felt like Djokovic was struggling early on to get his footing. He was struggling with the service games. And Alcaraz was holding pretty easily. And then everything flipped in the 4-3, the 3-4 service game for Alcaraz, where the uh, strokes kind of went a bit haywire, some unforced errors. And Djokovic at that point just knew that the match was there for the tanking, and he took it. And then he got he went up a break in the second set because of another set of unforced errors by Alcaraz. Decent amount with uh, game point with advantage. He had a missed volley, which was a free winner, for example. But Alcaraz then had a couple of chances to get back even as he ended up having a 15-40 game. Djokovic dismissed the first uh, break point with a good first serve. The second one was an, a ridiculous rally, which culminated in a solid dig by Djokovic into an absolutely ripped forehand cross court. And Djokovic just raised his level for a couple of points, which really just set the tone of, I'm not losing you today. You better just give up. And Alcaraz did because he got broken the game after. And Djokovic won 6-2 in the final set. But the idea that Alcaraz landed 84% of the first serve points, or first serves, I mean, and he still got buried, tells you how good Djokovic was in the match on Saturday. He was unbelievable. And I, once again, don't know how people look at him and say, oh, Nadal or Federer is better than him. They're not. It's not even close. Djokovic is the best player to ever play. I don't think it's close. And there's a serious conversation to be had that Djokovic is still not showing any signs of slowing down. He's better than Alcaraz. I think he's better than Sinner. We're going to find out once again. I know they faced off earlier in this event, but they're going to face off again for all the marbles on a Sunday. But the point is, Djokovic is better than everybody still. 30 grand slams might sound crazy. You can make an argument it's doable. That's all I'm saying. I'm not sure if he's going to get there. I think he's going to get to it at least 27, in my opinion. But the point is, Djokovic is going to have the record for most grand slams for a long, long time. Alcaraz, in my opinion will not catch him. I think Sinner is going to throw a bit of a thorn into Alcaraz's plans into that one. And I do think that Alcaraz's durability is a concern. So Djokovic, I think it's pretty obvious where I stand on this, because I mentioned it several times on the show. He's the best player of all time. I think Nadal and Federer, you can argue, are neck and neck for two. I would put Nadal ahead of Federer at second, but I think there's actually a decent gap now between Djokovic and Nadal, especially if he wins another tour finals, as Nadal never won one. But anyway, point is Djokovic did Djokovic things. Alcaraz was mentally discouraged after getting broken earlier in the first set when he had a couple chances to break in the first game of the match. But Alcaraz showed the immaturity, and it's not exactly a shock because Alcaraz is still very young. That's kind of the issue you run into when you have a teen phenom, because you look at the guy assuming he should be dominating all the events, and you remember that he's not even legally allowed to drink in America yet. He's only 20 years old. So Alcaraz is going to figure it out, 
but there are some aspects of his mental game that need a lot of work. We know the physical game is there. The talent is there. The movement, the forehand, the backhand, the drop shot. He can hit every single shot that he wants to. Even the serve has gotten better. But there are some shot selection issues and some overall lack of proper, I'd say, game planning or lack of proper strategy that have kind of costed Alcaraz in the past. And it was another example of it on Saturday because Djokovic was kind of just doing the same thing the entire match. And Alcaraz eventually made some adjustments. He tried to make the match more physical for that one service game in the second set for Djokovic where he had a couple of break points. But for the most part, Alcaraz really didn't make any adjustments until he was an absolute just, I don't want to say rock bottom, but it was it was the danger zone. He had to make some adjustments, and I just thought Alcaraz waited too long. Now, Medvedev, on the other hand, would probably never make any adjustments, which is the main problem that I have with his game. But Alcaraz, I feel like sometimes is so reliant on the talent that he's not willing to change up tactics. Now, we did see him change up tactics in Wimbledon, and he ended up beating Djokovic in the final because he was able to switch some things up. But I feel like Alcaraz does not mess with his overall, I don't want to say play style, but his overall techniques or tactics enough in matches that don't go his way, and he's willing to go down with the ship, sometimes in a stubborn manner. And I'm not saying that anyone could have beaten Djokovic on Saturday. I think that he played almost a perfect match as far as I'm concerned. But the lack of overall adjustments that Alcaraz made, it's been a trend. It's been something that I've noticed, and I feel like that's something he needs to work on. He's only 20, so he will get better at it but that is the next element of his game that he has to improve on. It is the mental toughness and the mental, I'd say, overall willingness to problem solve. And that's where Djokovic comes in as being the most problem solver in tennis of all time. But anyway, point of Djokovic dominated. Sinner, for the most part, I don't want to say dominate because it went to three sets, but he didn't get broken in the entire match. The two sets he did win were pretty one-sided. So Sinner and Djokovic are now going to rematch after facing off in the group stage, where Sinner did win in a final set tiebreak. Phenomenal match, great stuff, and hopefully this match lives up to the same hype as the last one. As for the actual uh, head-to-head between these players, Djokovic is up 3-1. They faced off once again in this event uh, about a week ago, or earlier this week, and Sinner ended up winning that one in three sets, 7-5-6-7-7-6. They faced off in Wimbledon earlier this year. Djokovic buried them in straight sets. Faced off in Wimbledon in 2022, Djokovic lost the first two sets and then won the match in five. And then they faced off in Monte Carlo in 2021 on clay. Djokovic did win that one 6-4-6-2. So the question is, Sinner has the crowd support with him being Italian. Djokovic, though, is the best player of all time. And if Djokovic plays that well like he did yesterday, Sinner's not beating him. I'm telling you right now, if Djokovic plays that well again, he might even win in straight sets. That was, an, that was a dominant performance. Really, I cannot overstate how dominant and how great Djokovic looked. And I feel like he reached a level that I'm not sure Sinner can reach consistently. Now, Sinner recently has shown that he does have a level that can somewhat mirror or rival Djokovic or Alcaraz. The problem is we've seen Djokovic reach that level all the time, especially when the stakes are at the highest. You can argue with Sinner not winning a Grand Slam title in his career, this is the biggest match of Sinner's career. And you have to wonder, after facing off against Djokovic and winning that type of match, is he mentally tough enough to do it again? The crowd's going to help him, but I do wonder if he falls behind early to Djokovic, if a part of maybe the mental toughness is still not fully developed, 
and center maybe crumbles like we saw with Alcaraz in the semifinal match on a Saturday. But for the sake of the betting odds, Djokovic is a worthy favorite of minus 175. Center is plus 155. As for the game spread, Djokovic minus one and a half is minus 128. Center plus one and a half is plus 108. Over under for games is at 23 and a half at minus 110 on both sides. 22 and a half is minus 160 on the over if you want to go that route. Or you can go 24 and a half at uh, basically even money. If you want to go for match, go the match go three sets. You can get that at plus 120. Djokovic winning straight sets is available at plus 160. Sinner to win in straight sets is at plus 300. So for the sake of this matchup, simply put, I think Djokovic is going to win. I, I know that Sinner has the crowd advantage, and I know I just mentioned that Sinner has made a leap where I think he's firmly a member of the top four, probably the top three, as far as I'm concerned, because I think that his A game is better than Medvedev's A game, in my opinion. But the point is, Sinner has proven that he has made a leap, and his game translates very well to the fast, hard courts in his backyard in Italy. Having said that, beating Djokovic twice in the same tournament is borderline impossible. Because one, I know the odds of that happening are basically zero because you need a round-robin stage in order for that to happen. So I know that there's a small technicality which is going to kind of make what I said rather meaningless. But the point I'm trying to make is whether it's this tournament or whether you're facing off against Djokovic two times in the span of a week and a half, beating the best player of all time two times in such a short amount of uh, I'd say off time in between is so difficult because Djokovic, as I said before, is one of the best problem solvers, probably the best problem solver of all time. And I do think that Djokovic will be willing to go through the entire film of the first match in this event and then make adjustments. And I do wonder if Sinner is going to make any adjustments at all because he played a great match. He wants to play his game with the powerful wings for and backhand trying to basically blow Djokovic off the court. But I do think Djokovic will make adjustments, and I do think that Djokovic is going to showcase a new threat or a new dimension of his game, which maybe he did not showcase that much in the first meeting. And I do think that Djokovic will eventually catch center off guard in route to a win. We kind of saw it a bit in the Hercatch match, for example, where Djokovic was struggling as he was, uh, he ended up losing the second set. And we saw the third set, Djokovic implement a bunch of slicing, just as an example. I'm not saying he's going to use slicing in center. But the point is, Djokovic used an element of his game, which nobody really thought about because he hadn't really used it that much. And then he just started deploying it, and it worked very well. I just think that Djokovic is going to win the mind battle against center. It's the biggest match of center's career. It's in his home country. There's a lot of nerves involved. And I do think that he might succumb to the nerves, as Djokovic has been there before. And he's won this event X amount of times. He's going for the all-time record for most ATP final titles ever. So I think that Djokovic is going to thrive in the moment. I think Sinner is going to play well. But I do think he's going to struggle in some aspects with the potential nerves if he falls behind early. And I think Djokovic will be willing to just suffocate him as this match goes on. So I think Djokovic is going to win. The problem is it's minus 175. So you have to find a potential pivot for this matchup. Do I think Djokovic is going to break Sinner in this match? Probably at least once, but I'll tell you right now, it's going to be difficult because Sinner's been serving so well on these courts. But I do think he'll eventually break. I think that Djokovic minus one and a half games at minus 128 is interesting. I'm not sure if there's a lot of value on it, though, because you can see Djokovic maybe in theory punting a set, which we have seen throughout this event. So I think it is a bit tricky to find some value on this matchup. 
I do think if I was going to go with a combo play, I probably would take Djokovic in the over in this matchup. I think just because Djokovic is going to win does not mean he's going to dominate. I think Sinner is going to serve well, and I think you'll probably get at least one tie break in this matchup. But I do think you're going to see a very competitive matchup, a very fun matchup, but I can't pick against the GOAT and in a revenge angle against the guy who's going to be in the biggest moment of his life. I think Djokovic gets it done, and I am going to link to the over. Does it go to three sets? Maybe. I don't mind the plus 120, but I do think after what I saw in the Saturday matches, Djokovic still has a gear that nobody else can match, and I think he taps into that gear into this final, especially since it's Djokovic's last match of the year. He's going to leave it all on the on the court, and I do think that he's going to avoid coasting. I think he's there for blood, and I think he's going to be out there trying to win as, I'd say, just as convincingly as possible. It might not be as easy as that, but I do think that Djokovic, once again, just has a certain gear to his game that Sinner might have, but I have to see him more consistently at this stage in his career. So give me Djokovic to get the job done, and I am going to go with the over in this match as well. That's going to wrap it up for my actual match preview for the final. Now it's time for the Lock and Dog picks, but before we continue that, I'm going to have a quick word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by Bet365. Bet365 is the world's favorite sports book, trusted by over 88 million players worldwide. Props, sides, totals, live betting, Bet365 has you covered. And if you like boosts, you're going to love Bet365 because they have a 30% profit boost on your NFL same game parlay. Plus, they even have an early payout offer if your team goes up 17 points. Once again, if your team's up 17 points, you win automatically. Full payout, you don't have to sweat out the rest of the game. So if there's a massive choke job, that is no longer your problem. Sign up today and choose from two bonus offers, either a $1,000 no sweat bet or get or bet $5 and get $150 in bonus bets. Just head to sportscampodcast.com slash bet365, sportscampodcast.com slash bet365, or use the sign-up link in our show bio. Problem gambling? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy has a way to play alongside your favorite fantasy players all season long. NFL, NBA, NHL, college basketball, and college football. Simply pick higher or lower on your favorite players' fantasy stats and cash in. So watch along, make your picks, and maybe make a little money over on Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, remember to use the promo code SGPN. Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. So Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. PN. We're also brought to you by Game Time. I don't know about all of you, but I personally love attending sporting events in person. And it used to be very annoying to actually find a ticketing provider that I could trust until I found Game Time. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer last-minute deals and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you're going to have. My favorite feature on the app is definitely the Images of Seat Views feature, and I'm sure a lot of us can exper- have experienced this before. Maybe you bought a ticket it, spend some money. You sat down expecting to have a great view of the atmosphere, and suddenly your view is obstructed, and you realized that you wasted money because you can't even see what you what you uh, paid to see. That's not going to be an issue with game time because they will show you an exact look of the view you would be having if you had purchased said ticket before you end up spending your hard-earned money. Game Time is also the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget plenty months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Thanks without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Create an account and use code CFBX for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code CFBX for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price. 
guaranteed. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets. Win bigger, more betting smarter at the center of all season with Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NFL, NBA, MLB, and soccer bet with historical stats and data. Enter any parlay idea into Hall of Fame Bets' revolutionary uh, parlay optimizer tool to get hit rates broken down by leg, as well as an expected probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate for any bet to learn which players are hot and which picks have value. Stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame Bets to craft more intelligent, data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com or use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month. Start Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame Bets. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the championship match in the ATP Finals between Sinner and Djokovic. Now it's time for the lock and dog picks. Starting off with the lock, I am going to go back to a team total. I'm going to go with Djokovic. Team total over 12 and a half games at minus 150. Simply put, I think that it's going to be, once again, a matchup that could feature some long sets. We saw in the first meeting between them in this event, each of the three sets played had at least 12 games in it. So I think that there's a decent chance at least one set goes to a 7-5 or 7-6. Tiebreaker in the match is at minus 140, which so that kind of tells me, though, that this is a bit mispriced, because if tiebreaker is going to be at minus 140, and Djokovic, if he wins a tiebreak, is in great shape to basically auto-win this prop. So you're looking at that, or if he wins a 7-5 set, or if Djokovic ends up winning a set, loses another set, and then wins in three, he's going over anyway. So I think that there's a couple ways to get there, and you're only paying 10 extra cents compared to the tiebreaker in the match. I think this line's mispriced. I think it should be closer to, personally, 12.5 being minus 170, minus 165. So at 150, I think that the probability is actually higher than what these odds suggest. Give me Djokovic team total over 12.5 games as my lock at minus 150. And for my dog, I think for this one, I am going to go to a... I'm going to go to a games prop, actually, in a set. I'm going to take the first set over 10.5 games at plus 135. Simply put, I think that it's going to take some time for Djokovic to actually, I don't want to say make the adjustments against Sinner's serve, but I think it's going to be a feeling out process. The nerves are going to be higher. I think that Sinner is going to serve well, at least in terms of velocity. I question the first serve percentage, but he went three sets without getting broken against Medvedev. He served well against Djokovic the first time around. I think that the chances of going to a breaker in this first set are actually decent, but I do want the leeway for a potential 7-5. And to go through Djokovic's first sets in the last couple of matches, ended up beating Alcaraz 6-3, match against Hurricatch 7-6, match against Sinner 7-5, match against Rune 7-6. So three of the four matches played here for Djokovic have had at least 12 games in the first set, which tells me that this line at plus 135 might be a little bit, I'd say, rich, and I think that I'm going to take advantage of it. Sinner has had some pretty quick first set wins against Medvedev and Rune and Sissipas, but against Djokovic, he did go 7-5, and I do think that as a result, there might be some value on expecting a bit of a feel-out process for the return games here. I think both serves will dominate early on the fast courts, and I do think that if a break's going to come, it would be either late in the first set or it would be in the second set, but give me the over- 10.5 games in the first set at plus 135 as my dog. So once again, the lock for the show is going to be on Djokovic team total over 12.5 games at minus 150, and the dog will be on the first set over 10.5 games at plus 135. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. Find me on a bunch of shows at the network, the NFL show, the NBA show. You get your point. A reminder, we're back once again. 
for the next-gen finals that are taking place after this one for some reason. But either way, until then, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.